0: God loves us. The greatest valentine of all is God sending his Son to demonstrate his love. In the book of Lamentations, though, we read a couple of verses that explain or verbalize God's love to us in a way that we don't often think about, perhaps. Lamentations 3 and verse 22 Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. If I was to put that in in one word, I would use the word patience. God is patient with us. It is through his mercy that we are not consumed God is patient. We had an example of God's patience today. Uh, Dennis wouldn't mind me telling you that he's 70 years old. He's late to the game. But because God is patient, there's still time. God is patient because it's his nature. Patience is part of the nature of God. Listen to what he says about himself. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering or patient, and abounding in goodness and truth. And here in Romans 2, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and patience, not knowing that the goodness of God should lead you to repentance? Or this verse from Peter, The Lord is not slack or slow or taking his time concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but he's patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Does your mental image of God include patience? Some people in the world see God standing with his hand hovering over people like someone waiting to swat a fly, just waiting for the right moment when it lands. The evidence of God's patience is right here. He says, through His mercies we are not consumed. When Adam and Eve were put into a perfect world and, and with two people that with no flaws and told here are some things to do and then chose to rebel against God and do what He specifically asked them not to do, God was merciful. He was patient in that He did not consume them. He didn't breathe out fire and say, you failed, boom, you're dead. He was patient with them. Ever since those two first human beings sinned, God has continued to be patient with us. God would have been within His rights, within the deal He made with them, to consume them immediately, but He didn't. The Lord is not slack, but what He wants is that all should come to repentance. God's mercy and compassion are new every morning because God is patient. It's in His nature. But it's also He's also patient with us because He knows how weak we are. He knows how weak we are. Listen to Psalm 103. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Now the word pity has a negative connotation to some people. It means like you feel sorry for someone. That's not what this means. What it means is along the idea of mercy, along the idea of being considerate, and so on. As a father considers his children, so the Lord considers those who fear him. He knows that we're made of dust. God tells us in Genesis 2 that he made mankind out of the dust of the earth. Now, in calling us dust, he's not trying to criticize or belittle us into obedience. Rather, he's recognizing our strength relative to his strength. And the illustration of a parent is well taken. For those of you that are here for the first time will have the privilege after church today of meeting my granddaughter, Kylie. And uh, Kylie is the second child of Steph and Raúl here, and and uh, she is a wonderful, happy, smiley little girl. And it helps me to understand that concept of has you wrapped around the little finger. I can just see her coming something going Grandpa, and I'll go whatever you want. <laughs> People with little children, like Kylie, who's a, a babe in arms, you know, a babe in the car seat, you know, say, hey, get up and take care of yourself. Because she can't. We understand she is a baby. She has certain limitations. As she grows, we will push her to progress in both her physical and personal and spiritual abilities. But we understand where she is at. And so we, we pity her and we care for her. God Almighty is so far above us that you can't even imagine the distance. And if He were to expect you to act like Him, He would consume you, because you would fail, 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 fail. But He looks down and He says, you're just made of dust. You're just poor human beings. And so I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to work with you. And I'm going to draw you. And I'm going to send people to help you. God is patient because he knows what we're made of. He knows we have limited capabilities. He knows that we have minds that are dulled by sin. He knows that we live in a world that does not encourage us toward him. He knows that you want to be independent and self-sufficient, but you're not capable of caring for yourself. So he is patiently merciful he's compassionate number 3 god is patient because he wants us to be saved from our sin listen to this story of god's patience from acts chapter 9 then saul guy who became the apostle paul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the lord if anybody should have gotten blown out of his saddle, consumed by fire and brimstone. It was this guy. He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, the way is another term for Christianity, whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats when you're blind. (laughs) So he trembled. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice or a noise, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. When He he opened his eyelids, but nothing worked. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and he said and, and to the Lord, And to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am. So the Lord said, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. This is a guy who should have been struck dead by God, but God in his mercy didn't do that. Now, God did take a two-by-four and give him a real solid one right upside the head. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what we make God do. We ignore his gentle pleadings. You know, Saul would have been a, a guy who was around Jerusalem and around Israel during the whole time of Christ. For three years, Christ preached the message and Saul would have been around, and he would have known. He was one of the leaders. He would have he would have known the message, but he ignored it. He ignored it. He ignored it. And God said, you know what? I love you so much, Saul, that I am going to get your attention. God is patient. Why? Because he desires that people come to faith in Christ. Listen to what Paul said about the patience of God. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, or God was merciful to me, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all patience as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. As a pattern. God is patient. God is patient because He wants us to be saved. If you have never believed in Christ... There is an opportunity for you to do that today. You're here. You're hearing God's message. God wants you to be saved. But what you need to understand about the patience of God is it is limited. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This is a verse we read earlier. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. I thought we were only doing construction projects during the week. Yeah, somebody's going to take care of that. At least it's not a frog in the baptistry. There is a purpose for God's... There is a purpose for God's patience, and there is a limit to God's patience. And the limit is this. God will not clear those who are guilty. In other words, ultimately, God will call sinners to account. If Adam and Eve had refused the coats of skin that God prepared to cover them via an animal sacrifice, then they would have encountered the justice of God eventually. You can spurn God's patience, and you can even say, like, uh, like the folks did that Peter wrote about, oh, God's taking His time, God's not gonna come, God's not gonna judge anything, and, and the, and the, and the way that I know that is cause I stand here and go, if there's a God, let him strike me dead right now. And then I step over and go, see? Nothing to it. God says, there is a limit to my patience. Because even to the foolish skeptic like that, God doesn't strike him dead out of his merciful compassion. While God is patient, he is also impartially fair. He will not close his eyes, like the kindly grandfather, to sin and say, oh, you just sneak into heaven while I'm, while I got my eyes closed. Won't happen. Won't happen. God is patient because He wants you to come into relationship with Him and He wants you to know the glories of heaven someday when you die, but He will not clear the guilty. If you are breathing, there is an opportunity for you to receive Christ. Dennis, Dennis's path took nearly 70 years. A lot of Dennis's slowness was not of his own making. Frankly, he was raised in a pagan environment. He didn't know any better. He was just a kid. But God said, I'm going to get Dennis. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. Come on. And finally, Dennis woke up one day and said, there is a God in heaven, and I must believe in him. We then, as workers together with him, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We had a fellow here oh, a few years ago. He's with the Lord now. And when he came here and we met him, he was coming off of like a year in the hospital, really a hard time, uh, through you know, illness and so on. It wasn't some foolishness of his own. And he said, I think the Lord spared me for a reason. And I thought, amen, great attitude. And he said that a number of times. He was trying to find the thing that God wanted him to do. And you know what it became obvious that it was? One day... All of the stuff in his spiritual head came right into focus. And he came and said, I want to get baptized. And as we talked about it, I said, here's the gospel. Here's what it means to be a Christian. Christ died on the cross and so on. I shared the whole gospel with him. And I said, have you believed that before? He said, not like that. I've been baptized a number of times in different places, in different ways. He said, but now I understand and he came to real faith in Christ and he was baptized and he died about a year later do i think god saved him from his physical difficulty for a purpose yes so he could get his spiritual house in order and be ready for the day of his departure i've known two folks personally in the last year who who put off put off put off and then died now, you can call me a hellfire and brimstone preacher if you want, because there is hellfire and brimstone out there. But you could also call me a preacher of the love of Christ, because God has patiently, patiently, patiently waiting, sharing His truth with you. And if you've never believed, today is the day when you need to believe because you're not guaranteed for tomorrow. I want to challenge you to come to faith in Christ today if you never have. God has saved us for a purpose, and that purpose is our salvation. He's patient with us for a purpose, and the purpose of salvation. Number four, God is also patient with us because he wants us to become like Christ. Once we come to faith in Christ... He continues to be patient with us. Listen to this verse from Hebrews 10. For by one offering or sacrifice, Christ has perfected forever those who are being made righteous or being sanctified. When you put your faith in Christ, God forgives your sin. As Dennis put it, he takes away that baggage, that guilt. He takes that away. And you are righteous before God. When we arrive in heaven, that possession of salvation will be clear and shining, and we will be ready to meet God. That is the perfected forever that comes from the death of Christ. But while we are here on this earth, our salvation brings us the potential of an increasing measure of godliness, the godliness of Christ. That is the being sanctified. We have a position of complete perfection with God in heaven, but we have a practice of working to become more like Christ in line with the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit day by day by day. That is the being sanctified. And Colossians 3 puts it this way, If you then were raised, when you believed with Christ, you were raised with Christ up to heaven, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits, Sinning at the right hand of God. Therefore, here's how you seek the things that are above. You put to death the parts of your life which are on the earth. Sexual sin, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And as the elect of God, you put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and so on. God says, here's how you get sanctified day by day. You read the Word, and the Word says, stop doing some things. And you read the Word, and it says, start doing some things. You put those off, you put those on. God is mercifully patient here in the process of growth. He commands us to grow, but He doesn't stand again waiting to just spank us every time we make a little mistake. Because He knows what we're made out of. One of those things that he commands is baptism. He says, I want you to be baptized in water to demonstrate the washing away of your sin and the receiving of a new life in Christ. God wants us to follow him, to obey him, and he's patient in working that out with us. Number five, God is patient because he doesn't see our failures as terminal One of the greatest examples of the patience of God with a believer comes from the life of Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. I'm going to the cross, is what he was going to say. But you shall follow me afterward. Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And then we hear this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I hope this doesn't sound to you like I'm giving you an excuse to fail. Like tomorrow when you fail, you can go, oh, well, that's just the way it is. No. What I'm giving you is hope for your failure. Because Peter, as ambitiously good-intentioned as he was, was headed straight for a crash. And God knew it. Because he knew Peter was made of dust. And he said, now, Peter, you're going to fail. But when you get over that failure, when you are restored, then I've got some work for you to do. God is patient because he doesn't see our failures as terminal. Christ knew Peter was going to fail. God knows you are going to fail. God knows some of you have failed. Some of us have failed. and, And really, I shouldn't even say some. All of us have failed. We've had some things that we consider to be big failures and some that we consider to be small. God may view them differently than we do. But here's the wonderful truth, Christian. Every moment is an opportunity to confess your sin and get right with God. Every moment is an opportunity to be cleansed through that confession. Every moment is an opportunity to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. No matter how badly you have failed in your eyes or in the eyes of others, you are never washed up with God. You are never washed up with God. little thing called the Olympics going on up in Vancouver. At the Olympics, there are always some colossal failures. Uh, at the summer games uh, in Beijing, there was a... A woman for the American track team running hurdles. She, boy, she was just supposed to just run away from everybody. And she did right up until the moment she put her foot on a hurdle. And she lost. She went from first place to last place in one second. That's the, that's the level at which they run. Some of God's people in the Bibles, in the Bible, had failures. Have you ever thought about this? Jacob was a liar. Moses had a stuttering problem and he was unwilling to speak publicly. Rahab was a prostitute. Leah was ugly. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Naomi was a widow. David committed adultery and murder. Elijah was depressed. Jonah ran from God. The Samaritan woman was divorced multiple times. Zacchaeus was an extortioner. Martha worried about everything. The disciples fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying, and Peter denied Christ personally. And we have all failed the Lord in one way or another. We've put off the things we should have done. We, maybe we've even failed to start some things. But what matters is what we do today in response to God's ever new mercy and patience. His mercy and compassion are ever new. How will you use this day and every other day God gives you? That's the question that I want to challenge you to ask yourself today. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to never give up. Help us to realize that you don't give up on us. Help us to rejoice in your daily mercy and compassion. Help us to live in the new opportunities that you give us every day, every moment. Father, if there's somebody here who's been putting off their decision to accept Christ, help them to do it today. If there's somebody here as a Christian who's been putting off some decisions and some changes they need to make, help them to start today. Help us to know your peace and joy as we walk in your way. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Worship team's going to come. We're going to sing a song as we meditate on these thoughts.